Chapter 4 of Henry Moore Smith, The Mysterious Stranger. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Henry Moore Smith, The Mysterious Stranger by Walter Bates. Chapter 4. Smith's wanderings through the province leaves a trail of larcenies, Arrested and brought before the court at Fredericton, he admits escaping from Kingston jail and is sent back by George Saunders, escapes on the way, burglarizes the home of the attorney general, and is rearrested, and after a month of liberty is again placed in Kingston jail. Nothing was heard of our adventurer till after the return of Mr. Knox with his party from a fruitless search of ten days in the province of Nova Scotia and as far as Ricky Bucto. The day following, Mr. Foster and Mr. DeForest returned from their chase, and reported that after they had proceeded to within three miles of Fredericton, they heard of a stranger answering to his description, having lodged all night at a private house, but had gone on the road towards Woodstock. They continued the pursuit and found that he had stopped at Mr. Ingraham's tavern the night following, slept late in the morning, being fatigued, paid his bill, and went off, but not without giving another proof of his characteristic villainy. He broke open a trunk, which was in the room adjoining the one he had slept in, and carried off a full suit of clothes belonging to Mr. Ingraham, that cost him forty dollars, and a silk cloak with other articles, which he concealed so as not to be discovered. This information gave his pursuers sufficient proof that he was indeed the noted horse-dealer, but Mr. Ingraham, not having missed his clothes immediately, the robber traveled on unmolested, and the next day went only as far as Mr. Robertson's where he found a collection of young people, played the fiddle for them, and remained the next day and night. He then proceeded towards Woodstock, leaving the spoons with Mrs. Robertson in exchange for a shirt, and taking passage in a canoe happened to fall in company with another canoe that had been at Fredericton, in which the Reverend Mr. Dibble, missionary at Woodstock, was passenger, with a young man pulling the canoe. The young man had seen Mr. Bale's advertisement at Fredericton, describing the man and watch which had a singular steel chain, and observed to Mr. Dibble that they both answered to the appearance of the stranger. Mr. D. remarked to the young man that he might be mistaken, and asked the stranger to let him see the watch. The stranger handed the watch with all willingness, and it was found so exactly to answer to the marks of Mr. Bale's watch that Mr. D. challenged it as the property of Mr. Bale's. Smith very gravely replied, that it was a favorite watch that he had owned for a long time, but that if he had heard of one like it having been stolen, he had no objection to leave it with him until he returned, which would be in about two weeks. Mr. D. replied that the suspicion was so strong that he thought he would detain him also, until he could hear from Fredericton. Smith rejoined that he was on important business and could not be detained, but if he would pay his expenses and make himself responsible for the damage incurred by his detention, he would have no objection to stop till he could send to Fredericton. Otherwise, he would leave the watch, as he proposed before, and would return in ten or twelve days, during which time Mr. Dean might satisfy himself as to the watch. He appeared so perfectly at ease, without discovering the slightest indications of guilt, that on these conditions they suffered him to pass on. He continued his march until he came to the road that leads to the American settlement, and as it drew towards evening, he inquired of a resident by the way concerning the road to the American side, but was asked by the man to tarry till morning, as it was then near night and the settlement yet twelve miles distant. 
He did not choose to comply with the invitation and advanced as an apology, but two men had gone on before him, and he feared they would leave him in the morning if he did not proceed. It happened in a very short time after that two young men arrived there from the settlement, and being asked whether they had met two men on the road, they answered in the negative. It was then concluded that Smith was a deserter, and they turned about and followed him to the American settlement, but found nothing of him. The day following, Mr. Foster and Mr. DeForest arrived at Woodstock, and finding themselves still on the track of him, they pursued on to the American line, but could hear nothing concerning him. They then informed the inhabitants of Smith's character and proposed a reward of twenty pounds for his apprehension. The people seemed well disposed and promised to do their utmost. Mrs. F. and D. then made their way back to the river St. John, and there, most unexpectedly, came across the path of our adventurer again. They found that he had crossed the river, stopped at several houses for refreshments, and called himself Bond, that he had assumed the character of a pursuant in quest of the thief who had broken out of Kingston jail, said that he was a notorious villain and would certainly be hung if taken, and appeared to be extremely anxious that he should be apprehended. They traced him down to the river where the Indians were encamped, and found that he had agreed with an Indian to conduct him through the woods to the United States, by the way of Eel River a route not infrequently travelled and hence had baffled all the efforts of his pursuers and finally escaped mrs f and d thought it was now time to return and make their report it afterwards appeared that the indian his conductor after having gone about two days on the route began to be wary of his job perhaps finding that it might not be productive of much profit and discovered that smith carried a pistol which he did not like very much refused to guide him any longer gave him back part of his money, and returned. This materially turned the scale with their adventurer and Fortin, that had hitherto smiled on his enterprise, refused, like the Indian, to conduct him much further. Unable to pursue his journey alone, he was, of course, obliged to return, and he had now no alternative but to try his chance by the known road. It was now the 10th of October, and he reappeared on the old ground, wanting refreshment and in quest, as he said, of a deserter. While his breakfast was preparing, information of his presence was circulated among the inhabitants, and Dr. Rice, who was a principal character in the place, effected his apprehension and had him secured. The clothes he had stolen from Mr. Ingraham he had on, excepting the pantaloons, which he had exchanged for a pistol. He said he had purchased the clothes very cheap from a man who believed was a Yankee. He was then taken in charge by Mr. A. Putnam and Mr. Watson, who set out with their prisoner for Fredericton. On their way, they stopped at the Attorney General's, three miles from Fredericton, and then proceeded into town, where the Supreme Court was then sitting. The prisoner was brought before the court in the presence of a large number of spectators. The Honorable Judge Saunders asked him his name, and he unhesitatingly answered, Smith, are you the man that escaped from the jail at Kingston? Yes. On being asked how he effected his escape, he said the jailer opened the door and the priest prayed him out. He was then ordered to prison for the night, and the next day he was remanded to Kingston Jail. Putnam and Watson set out with him in an Indian canoe, one at each end, and the prisoner handcuffed and pinioned, and tied to the bar of the canoe in the center. They were obliged to watch him the first night at the place where they lodged, and the next day they reached the house of Mr. Bales, opposite Spoon Island, where he had stolen the watch and the money, etc., it was near night, and the passage to Kingston rather difficult, and they being strangers, Mr. B. proposed that if they would stop with him till morning, he would conduct them to Kingston himself. 
they willingly complied and having been up the preceding night mr b proposed that if they would retire and take some rest he with his family would keep watch of the prisoner after they had retired the prisoner inquired the way to st john and whether there were any fairies on this side the river he then asked for a blanket and leave to lie down mrs b made him a bed on the floor but before he would lie down he said he had occasion to go to the door mr b awakened mr watson who got up to attend him to the door smith said to him that if i had any apprehensions he had better tie a rope to his arm which he accordingly did fastening it above the handcuffs with the other end wound round his own hand in this situation they went out of doors but in an unguarded moment smith watching his opportunity knocked him down with his handcuffs leaving the rope in the hands of his keeper having slipped the other end over his hand without untying the knot thus handcuffed and pinioned and bound with a rope the ingenious horse-dealer by another effort of his unfailing ingenuity akin to his mock sickness in the jail had effected a second escape from his keepers leaving it as a matter of choice whether to institute a hopeless search for him in darkness of the night or sit down in sullen consultation on what plan they had best pursue in the morning nothing could exceed the chagrin